you, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you that this, this story of Christmas is, Lord, God has something more for you in this life. And that is about his love with you and then you living that out in your life as well. So let's, let's look into the text. If you've got a Bible, look it up in Matthew 1. We'll be in Matthew 1, 18 first. There's Bibles on the back of the seat there in front of you. It's the second half. It's the second page one. The Old Testament, they've got the page numbers. The New Testament starts over, page one. So just look for, <laughs> for that somewhere a little past the middle. But Matthew 1, 18, okay? Matthew 1, 18 says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together... She was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, 
Okay, this also is, some of your Bibles might say, a just man. He's a righteous or just man, not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Now, here's the thing. Joseph, like, by, by rights, by the law, what he should do or could do is kill her, okay? He could kill her for what has happened here. So how we see, what we see Joseph doing is Joseph actually is a nice enough guy to not kill her. Now, I'm just hoping that our threshold of kindness and love, that's not just like, that's not the, the peak of our love for another, is to not kill them. I think God has something more for us than that, okay? Now, so we continue in the story. It says, but when he had considered this, we're going to talk a lot about that word considered, because I think it's, it's really impactful here. It says, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Okay, so this incredible story, this telling of what is going on with Joseph and how he's able to come to this point. Now, I want us to not just read the story, but for us to be able to get a little bit of a, maybe a glimpse into some of what was really happening in this story as kids tell the story of Christmas. Check this out. <laughs> An angel came to see Mary. She was doing laundry, and then the angel just appeared, and she was really scared. So Gabriel was like, Mary, you're going to have, like, I can't, I can't say good. Mary, you're going to have a baby. I, you're going to have a baby, and you will call him Jesus. And then Mary was like, I'm not going to have a baby yet. I'm only a teenager. I'm not married. Then the angel Gabriel told Joseph that Mary is not lying. She, you are having a new baby. And so they met up. They went to Bethlehem, which was Joseph's old town. They ride a donkey. <laughs> a camel. Oh, yeah, a camel. She said, this donkey's fast. Well, they tried to go to a hotel, and they asked the keeper um, for a place to stay. The keeper said, we have no rooms. Literally, no rooms. <laughs> so Mary and Joseph walked away sadly, but then he said, the only place in here in Bethlehem that, that you can stay Stay is a staple, and then he just pointed the way and they followed. When the shepherds were taking care of the sheep, then they saw angels. The angel said, a new baby is getting born who is king of the Jews. The angel was singing. And then the shepherd said, I think we should go there and meet him. The second, I think, said, yeah, I agree with you. And the other said, 
Yeah, me too. They had to walk through a bunch of grass and bushes. Maybe have to camp out at night. Then the wise men heard about it, and then a star appeared. We should probably follow that star. It's pointing down to the barn. So maybe we should follow it. Maybe. <laughs> so the wise men went to Jesus. They gave them gifts. A stuffed animal, like a hippo one, that I have at home. Some diapers, and some wipes, and some milk, some shoes, some Jordans. Gold ring and Latimer. And I don't know how I would survive in that barn. Too stinky, too crowded, and ugh. I think he probably pooped because the room was very smelly. Thank you for coming. He's adorable. He's gonna be our best friend. I love you, and you're the best baby I ever seen. There, I said it. <laughs> new baby is gonna change the world. Oh, so good. So good. Who knew that baby Jesus got Jordans? I mean, they just left that out. Ah, that's, that's great. But, um... <laughs> I'm just going to destroy everything those kids said. They were wrong, okay? Uh, <laughs> uh, they kind of were, actually. But that's not what I'm here to do. Uh, but this is just, it's helpful for us to get that story in our heads. Now, as we look at this, so apathy responds, right, with duty and kindness. So we're going to look at this life of this guy, Joseph, a little bit more. Cause... sort of in this very technical, a royal from the line of David, okay? He is of the family of David, the line of David. He's from the city of David or Bethlehem, and so he needs to go to Bethlehem. As we're going to, in a moment, we'll, we'll read Luke 2 as well. But now, the thing is, is there's no, there was no room in the inn, right? We see that on the video, that we've got the, the bellhop there, not, you know, we got no rooms, literally no rooms. And <laughs> so I want to look into that even aspect a little bit, like, what are we talking about here with that? Because if he's really of this family of David, and he's going to the city of David, there should be a ton of extended family there for him, actually, okay? Now, so some of, I think, of our conceptions of what happened in this story aren't really what was going on. And uh, so maybe some people think, well, it was shame. The doors were closed to him because of shame. Because Mary's pregnant, but they don't remember the wedding feast happening. Maybe it's, maybe it's that. But even then, I don't know like, where we really see some of that in the text. And why would that mean that they're kind of put in a, some sort of barn outside of a hotel or a cave outside of a hotel or something like that is the sense that we get from like, what we think of the Christmas story. Especially when... Even Mary's family, she's got family, Elizabeth and Zechariah, that just live a couple miles away in Bethany. Why didn't they just go stay there? Why are they sleeping in this barn or cave or whatever? I don't, you know, what's going on with that? Because Joseph, 
the thing too is, again, Joseph is a man of honor. He's a man that does what's right in a culture of high, high hospitality. Okay? People take anyone in. People don't want to let anyone, their enemies even, they would take into their home okay? and take care of them. And it's almost like Joseph would sort of be in trouble in this honor-shame culture if he didn't find a place for them with a family member somewhere. So what's, again, really going on? Now, I want us to look at Luke 2. So if you grab your Bible, uh, just flip over from Matthew to Mark to Luke, and look at Luke 2, and we'll just read this, those first seven verses here. And it's kind of the, this is the famous Christmas passage where it says, Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. So here's where we see, Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David. It's about 100 miles to walk from Nazareth to Bethlehem, okay? So this is going to take them about a week or something like that to get there. Uh, And so as they are making their journey over this time, then it says, uh, verse Five, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. Now check this out, verse 6. While they were there, not on the way she got labor pains, okay? While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. A lot of our movies and stuff kind of show Mary on, some, on a donkey or something, right? Like going into labor, and then they, they finally are able to like knock on the door, and they're knocking on the doors of a, of a bunch of these inns, and no one is letting them in. But it just says while they were there. They were already in Bethlehem. And she gave birth, verse 7, to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. All right? No room for them in the inn. Now, this word inn is a very strange word in the Bible, okay? Uh, And in our translations that we have. There's actually two words for inn in the Greek and even in just the book of Luke itself, okay? Now, we've got this one word. I don't want to get too nerdy on you guys, okay? But this one word, pandakeon. Now, this word means a commercial inn or like a hotel, what you would think of as, you know, a B&B, all right? You've You've got this that's actually an inn, and it's even used in Luke 10 in the story of the Good Samaritan, where this guy, this beat-up guy on the side of the road is taken uh, and helped by this Good Samaritan, and then he pays for him to stay at the inn. Now, that's not the word that's in Luke 2, our Christmas story. The word in Luke 2 is kataluma, which is a different word, which really doesn't usually actually mean inn. It means a guest room or an upper room. It's actually, there's a large upper room, a large kataluma that's talked about in where they have the Last Supper, where Jesus and his disciples have the Last Supper, is a large kataluma, all right? Now, this is just a regular kataluma, a smaller guest room or upper room. Now, what's interesting about this, I want to show you some pictures, okay? We've got some pictures up here on the screen, on the big screen, of kind of a recreation of a house in Israel that kind of would have been what it would be like in the time. Uh, Now, this is kind of a wide view of the main room. These houses in the time had one big main room where cooking took place, kind of regular life took place during the day. At night, they'd lay out some skins and, and mats and furs and stuff and sleep 
in that main room. Now you can see there's a ladder that leads up to an opening right here. I'll give you a better image of that. So this ladder leads up to the kataluma. Okay, this leads you to the guest room or the upper room. Now, this is the word for that little space. Now, that would be the space that normally the parents would sleep in most of the time to get away from the rest of the family. And then you would also have, uh, like, that would be the place that you'd have guests stay when they would come. That's the, the guest room. Now, you can also see there's a light on the bottom here leading these little openings to another kind of space. Now, this is a close-up to those openings that lead into this other space that was a storage room back in there, okay? So there's this opening, and you have this little kind of, like, shelf parts right here, because this storage room, this is what this is. This is the room where they would kind of store stuff, but at, in the day in this society, they would take their animals outside, and the animals would kind of, like, roam around or whatever, or be tied up outside, and then... shelf area that a lot of the times that area would be dug out of the stone itself and where they would put the food or the water for the animals that would be a manger okay now there are also other mangers that are just dug like out of stone made out of stone or wood here's one uh with a little precious baby uh Noah Davis, uh, <laughs> in, in the manger. So this is a, a manger that is uh, like just made out of stone. It's a feeding trough for animals. And so we go back here to this, this storage room. This storage room is what I believe very strongly, this is your stable nativity scene, all right? This is where you want to set up your little, you know, your people and everything. And, you know, and you've got the baby Jesus in the manger. So I don't know if I just ruined your Christmas. I hope I didn't. But, you know, that's just like a little bit of the kataluma, the inn, was just that there was no room in the upper room. The house they go to, there's already people staying upstairs, so you got to stay downstairs. We don't see the word stable in the Bible. We don't see the word cave. We just see manger, okay? They, there was the manger, and this would be the space that the manger would be. So I don't know if that was like mind blown or if you're like, I don't care, move along, Pastor Eric. But, uh, <laughs> but with that, okay, so this is like how, this is where Joseph is going. This is who Joseph is, this man of the, the line of David, a man of honor. What we see in him is this sort of, I, I, again, he, he was a person that was willing to do the right thing, but he wasn't will, really willing to take a risk. He wasn't re really willing to go further than that. But I believe that God calls us to something more than that. God calls us to passionate commitment and love. That God not only wants that for us to do, he actually offers that to us first. And so what you kind of see, though, in this guy, Joseph, uh, what's, what's interesting is, is as he's, before the angel comes, he's thinking about this. He's considering it. Remember we read and he said, it says, after he had considered this. This is this other word that's really important to understand because he's considering what to do. And he's considering not killing her, right? And just kind of being a nice guy and not killing Mary, but letting her, sending her away off on her own. Interestingly enough, this word that we just, all we get is considered, enthumethentos, it is, it, this is what it means more deeply. It means to revolve thoroughly in the mind, but also to be angry 
or upset about or concerned with, okay? So Joseph is not just thinking about it. It's not just, and so Joseph thought about it for a little bit. No, Joseph is upset. Joseph is disturbed. Some scholars say, like, it should be translated while he fumed over the matter. While this was just building up in him with, with anger as this is just stirring in his mind. And so you've got this guy that's just, he's mad, but he's like, oh, fine, I'll do the right thing. I won't just, I'll just send her away. And then we get this visit from an angel, and everything changes. Everything changes. And I hope that as you have a visit from God to you in some way, which I think could even be here today, that God will shift your understanding of him, that God will shift the way that you live for him, but more importantly, that, that God will shift how you think you need to be a good person or how you will be forgiven. Because what I think is interesting is that Joseph takes this anger that he has, and he totally, he kind of after the angel comes, he reprocesses this anger into love, into grace, into a life of being fully committed. I mean, the life that he ends up living is intense. The life that he's willing to live for this, you know, this promise is intense. He's traveled now to his hometown or back to where his, his people are from. And then as we know, the story goes on and Herod wants to kill the baby Jesus. And so they escape. So he's got to flee now to Egypt, and they're living in Egypt, and they come back, and then they've got this kid that's God in the flesh, and they're trying to raise him, and they, like, they think he's run away or something, and they find out he's off in the temple teaching the priests and teaching everyone. And so how do you raise God in flesh, you know? This guy has a challenging life to be this father to God himself. And, but what I think is so cool is he goes from anger to this fully committed love and grace. And I think that that is similar to the love and grace of God the Father. That we see that God had created humankind. He created people for him to be in fellowship with, for him to love. That in the Garden of Eden all was right. And he, he walked with Adam and Eve. And, and everything was good except for then these people turn their backs on him and they go to their own way. And it's a rejection right? And then he says, okay, well, I'll choose these people, Israel. They will be my people. I will love them. I will bless them. And the same thing happens. They reject God and turn their backs on him over and over and over again. And if you fast forward to us today, God is continuing to extend his grace to us, and we can so continually reject and reject the love that he offers. Because you see, the thing is, is that our sin, our rejection of God through the ways, too, that we go against his, his commands, his law. That sin, that sin is deserving of God's wrath, God's anger. But God says, no, I will reprocess that wrath, that anger into grace through the giving of my son Jesus. Through the giving of Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. That's the gift of Christmas is the gift of God who says, I will take this wrath, and no, I will not put this wrath upon you. I will give you my son. And we see this. We won't read through all these, but there's these parables, a couple parables, the book of Hosea, that are these stories of God saying, I've sent this invitation out to you, and you've rejected my invitation, so I'll send it out to everyone else. Or I've sent my son to you, and you've killed him, these parable of the vine growers. 
but I will still give you grace even though you've killed my son. And so over and over, these stories of redemption and faithfulness in the eyes or in the, in the sight of unfaithful people, God just continues to be faithful. And it's this beautiful, beautiful picture, I think, of God saying, I will take my wrath, my anger, and turn it into love. And that's this example that I think Joseph shows us. Joseph shows us someone that took this anger, this fuming over the matter, and then turns and changes into a life of passionate commitment. Because here's the thing, I think that God has more for you in the same way that he had more for Joseph. Joseph could have just continued to live this life of duty and obligation. But God had a radical life for him, an exciting life of following him that was going to be hard at times, really hard. We actually don't even know what happens to Joseph. All of a sudden, he's not in the story anymore. We presume that he died at some point in these in-between times. So we don't know the full story of Joseph, but we know that he went for it. He was fully committed after the angel visited him. And I believe God has that for us. Not a life of apathy, not a life of meh, not a life of blah. God doesn't want that from us. Of just kind of week to week coming to church and living this Christian life. Maybe it's month to month or year to year. I don't know. But whatever we're doing, that God has a life for you that is about love. To experience his love, to receive his love, and then to live that out in a radical way. And and what's so amazing too is that that is everything that Emmanuel is about. They say, call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Right? I always wonder, is that Jesus' middle name or something? Like, how's that work, right? Jesus, Emmanuel, Christ. I don't know. <laughs> no, not really. But, uh, <laughs> but Emmanuel shows us how God loves us with his presence and with his action. Because Jesus, the gift of Jesus being sent to earth to live as one of us, is that he knows us. He's experienced life in the way that we have experienced life. The difficulties, the struggles. That God is there with us, was there physically, and now he is there with us through his Holy Spirit dwelling within us. That his love is a love of action. His love is a love that doesn't just kind of say, I I feel good feelings about you. His love is self-sacrificing, action-oriented towards us. And that's what we can experience from God himself. And I think that that Joseph's fatherly love kind of symbolizes that self-sacrificing fatherly love that, that God shows towards us. And so what I hope for you today is that you will have a deep sense of God with you. That God loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus, And he came and he lived this life upon this earth. He lived the perfect life that we could never live. And he died upon the cross to take that wrath, to take that, all of that consequence of sin upon himself. And then he came back to life again in victory over sin and death. And I always believe that as we tell the story of Christ's birth, we got to tell the whole story because the whole story is how we understand how much of a gift that it is that he came. Because he did not just come to be born, he came to live and to die and to rise again. And then he sends the Holy Spirit to actually, Emmanuel, dwell God with us, within us. And what a beautiful gift that is here today. And so I encourage you today... In, in a moment, we're going to 
receive our offering, but I want, I want you to think about this. There's the card is on the back of the seat in front of you. Um, I want you to think about today, have I received the gift of salvation in Jesus? Have I just sort of gone to church and maybe you're here because it's Christmas and some family member dragged you, I don't know, but God's striking, you know, a message into your heart of this gift. This gift of God has been given, God has given you the gift of grace, that he has changed it from wrath and consequence to life everlasting, life eternal with him. Grace covering over all of that, what we deserve. And so I'd even encourage you today to take that card and to consider how you would pray and to respond on there. And that could be your gift today. If you're a guest, that could be what you drop in the, in the offering as it comes around. But for you to receive the gift of salvation today, the gift of Jesus, what this is all about, God with us. I encourage all of you to, even if you have any prayer requests you want to put on there, to write them down, and we want to be able to pray for you with you in this moment. So let's pray together as we receive our offering in this time. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, also for your, your gift, God, that we get to see and remember in this season. Lord, thank you that you have come to live as one of us, to know us that intimately and deeply. Lord, I thank you that you have offered your grace that covers our sin, that covers your wrath, God. And so I pray, Lord Jesus, for anyone here in this room today, Lord, if you've tugged at their heart today, God, to respond to that gift, to receive that gift today, I pray that, I pray that they would, Lord. I pray that we all would. And I pray that you would turn us from a life of just sort of just apathetic duty, even with a good heart, God. Turn us from good people to passionate, committed followers of you, Lord Jesus, that love deeply. And I pray that we would experience that in our lives and display that as a light of who you are to the world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.